All right, well, let's uh, turn to the Word of God this morning to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 in the Word of God. Amen. And uh, we'll be reading verses 26 through 32, Acts chapter 5. Acts 5, beginning verse 26, down through verse 32, says this in the Bible, God's Word. Acts 5, 26. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Verse 29, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Verse 32, and we are his witnesses of these things. And so was also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you again through the blood and name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just, uh, again, thank you for being good and merciful and gracious. Lord, we thank you for watching over us another week. And uh, Lord, just uh, keeping us safe. And Lord, just meeting our needs again. And Lord, we just want to be thankful. Lord, help us always to have a grateful heart for uh, the things you do for us. Lord, even others that you bring into our life and that help us along the way and are just uh, there and care about us and pray for us and, uh, Lord, just uh, share uh, life with. Lord, I pray for each one that's here this morning. Uh, God, you know the need physically, spiritually, emotionally. Lord, financially in every area, dear God, you know the need. And, uh, Lord, we trust uh, your will in each of those situations. Lord, we pray for those that aren't here. Lord, we think of uh, the many sick among us. We think of Sister Karen and Brother Thomas and the McLeans and uh, Sister Meredith, uh, Lord, Sister uh, Allison, and Lord, just uh, others, Lord God, please be with them where they are today and uh, encourage them. And Lord, we pray that you'd uh, heal them and bring them uh, uh, back with us uh, uh, quickly. And again, Lord, we pray for somebody here, somebody that might be listening, Lord, that for whatever reason they're not yet saved. Lord, we pray the Word of God and the Spirit of God would just bring great conviction upon that heart and open that heart and draw that one unto thee today. And Lord, perhaps a child of yours has gotten sidetracked for whatever reason. Uh, dear Lord, uh, they are uh, got their mind back on the things of the world or they're trusting in self instead of uh, leaning on you. Lord, help that one, uh, dear Lord, to get uh, their eyes back on thee today. And Lord, again, as we uh, look at the, the Word of God, our greatest desire is that Jesus Christ would be lifted up. And Lord, that you build your local church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we look at uh, Acts chapter uh, 5, of course, the book of Acts, an exciting book. But of course, uh, uh, this uh, chapter starts off with sort of an interesting story of uh, Ananias and Sapphira. And, you know, and uh, uh, listen, God didn't probably make them sell what they sold, but, you know, and they willingly did it. But then they chose to uh, lie to God and cheat God. And, of course, uh, they uh, paid a price of uh, uh, death for that. So verses 1 through 11, you see that story. Then verses 12 through 16 shows us some of the mighty works that God did through the apostles. And it's always exciting to read. Uh, through here and see how God uh, worked uh, and just the good power of God that was upon the apostles uh, during this time. 
Then, of course, we know that the high priest and all those around him didn't like that. So we see verses 17 through 28, how the high priest and the council, council how they had uh, the apostles uh, thrown into, put in prison. And then, of course, it says the angel of the Lord came by and uh, got him out. And uh, so that was, uh, that was uh, amazing to see. We said again, of course, in Acts 12 with Peter. And then, of course, uh, he told them, he said, hey, I uh, set you free. Now go to the temple and uh, continue to preach. And so they did. And so the apostles are found preaching at the temple. And then, of course, they're brought back before the council. And we see in these verses that Peter and the others take a stand for God and, of course, and uh, witness before the council. And uh, as, as they're standing before the council, notice uh, what uh, they say in verse 28. It says here, the, uh, those at the council talk and said, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in, notice that statement, this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Notice uh, what they said and notice what they didn't say. Notice they use the term, of course, everybody knows who they're talking about, but they say in this name. They say in this man's blood. They didn't even like to mention the name of Jesus. They wouldn't even mention it. They just said, you know, this man or that man's blood. Well, of course, uh, uh, they didn't want to mention his name because uh, uh, let me tell you, whether, whether the world admits it or not, whether the lost admit it or not, right? Uh, Satan knows what? There's power in the name of Jesus Christ, amen? There's power in that name. That's the name above all names, right? That name of Jesus Christ. But uh, don't be afraid. Uh, that's why it's so important that we mention the name of Jesus when we talk to people. And he knew there was power in the name of Jesus, and he knew there was power in the blood of Jesus Christ, right? Satan uh, knows that. Uh, uh, he knows, uh, Satan knows more than a lot of uh, Bible college students, right? Uh, he, he knows uh, what's going on, but uh, they didn't even want to mention the name of Jesus or the blood of Jesus. But thank God we can mention it 2,000 years later and still say, hey, there's still power in the name. There's still power in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when they say that, then Peter uh, stands up uh, boldly. Boy, that's what's so exciting about uh, reading the book of Acts. And uh, of course, uh, in uh, Acts 1 through 12, Peter's the main character. And then and after that, beginning about uh, chapter 13, we see that Paul became the main character because we know that Acts is a book of transition where the focus goes from the Jews and Peter was the right uh, one of the apostles to the Jews. And then the focus becomes on the Gentiles. So that's why Paul <laughs> takes the lead. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. But what a change we see in uh, 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 Peter, right? Before that, he's always uh, uh, sticking his foot in his mouth and always saying the wrong thing. And of course, uh, we see at the end of a lot of the Gospels when he uh, denies Christ. But now after Pentecost, he stands boldly and speaks uh, strongly and unashamedly uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, when you uh, uh, look at your witness, do I find myself sort of uh, sticking my foot in my mouth all the time? Oh, man, I just got into conviction saying that. I'm, seems like I, I do a lot of that myself. But or do you see yourself being bold? Well, listen, that tells you, hey, are you, are you being filled with the Holy Spirit and guided by the Holy Spirit? So Peter stands boldly. And look what we see, we see in verse 29. It says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. 
So what do we notice? A couple things in this verse. It says, Peter and the other apostles. One thing we see here is unity in messaging. <laughs> unity in messaging, right? They were all in unity about what needed to be said. And I say that sets a good example for us as a church, right? As a church, we must have unity in our messaging, right? What's coming uh, from the pulpit, what's coming uh, through the Sunday school classes, what's coming from anything uh, that uh, uh, this church does, right? There, there ought to be uh, unity. We ought to, ought to be giving forth the same message and saying the same thing. And uh, those that we stand against need to know that as a church, we are united in what we believe, and we stand strong for what we believe, and we're not ashamed of what we believe, and we are glad to unite around the message of Jesus Christ. We're glad to unite, amen, around uh, the, the blood, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are glad, amen, to unite around the truths, amen, the precepts and principles of the Word of God, the doctrines of the Word of God. So that's why it's so important, right, that doctrine. Uh, Doctrine is important. What we teach, right, is important. And that everybody, when uh, uh, people, uh, go, uh, listen, we wish everybody that walked through that door could be a member of the church. But listen, before people join the church, we say, hey, you need to understand what we believe. You need to understand what we stand on. And uh, uh, listen, we, of course, we get people, uh, you got to give people time to learn and to grow. And we understand that. But at least they need to know where the church stands and where we're trying to get them to be when it comes to standing on the important doctrines and the important truths of the word of God so that that helps keeps unity in the church. And if we have unity in the church, then we'll have unity in our messaging whenever we go out and witness on the street, right? Sometimes we go and evangelize downtown. We don't want people saying a bunch of different things. Hey, uh, when we go knock doors or whatever, we don't want people saying a bunch of different things. We want that unity of message. And so that's good that we see here the unity of message. And then he says this, and what is one of the messages that they want to put out as a group? That, listen, we ought to obey God rather than men. And so, listen, we're, they're saying, hey, you're, you're Jews, we're Jews, but we want to make it clear where our loyalty lies. And that's another thing we need to do as believers and as a church. Not only do we need to be unified in our message, but we need to let people know collectively as a church and individually as believers, we need to let them know where our loyalty lies. Hey, Glad to be an American. Hey, uh, 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 and uh, I want to I wanna be a good citizen. I want to be a patriotic citizen. But hey, if anything ever comes against the word of God, I'm going with the word of God. If I got to make a choice, amen, I'm going with God. I'm going, if we're dealing with a matter uh, socially or whatever the case may be, I'm sticking with what God teaches about that issue. I'm sticking with, amen, what God uh, says. People say, well, do you, you know, people come and say, do you have an opinion about that? I say, well, no, really, I don't have an opinion. I have a belief about that. You see, God, this is what God says about that issue. And you know what? I stand with God. I believe what God says, and I hold to what God says. And that's where my loyalty and my authority lies. Because now we don't know if we'll ever face prison, 
like these. Now, we know other believers in other nations have faced prison and do face prison. Now, we don't know if we will. I mean, uh, the way things are going wouldn't surprise me in the next few years if we do, but we don't know if we'll ever face prison. But we do know this. Even today, we do face opposition. And with all that is going on in society, it is more than likely that you will have to take a biblical stand somewhere uh, within your connections with people, whether it's at work, you have to take a biblical stand, whether it's at school, right? If you have children there or people there with all that's going on in schools, you might have to take a biblical stand. Or even when you get together with family, you might have to take a biblical stand or even among neighbors, you might have to make a biblical stand. Oh, those, they, that's who lives there, right? <laughs> that's them uh, uh, over there. But listen, uh, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't bother us if we have to take uh, that stand. I think about uh, how many times I had to take that, even, even years ago when I was in the military, <laughs> having to uh, uh, take a, a, a stand. And say, listen, this is what I believe, and if whatever that means, whatever price I have to pay for it, I'd say, well, you know, not not a, with an attitude, but I'd say, hey, bring it on. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not changing because I'm saying my loyalty is with God and His Word and His truths. But notice they say this: we ought to pay, obey God rather than man. That word "ought" means this: necessary. It's necessary that we stand with God, <laughs> right? Inevitable. Right? As a true believer and that loves God, loves his word, loves me, it's inevitable that, hey, when there, there comes time to take a stand, that I'm going with God. It is our, it's, it's talking about it's being our duty. As a, as a born again child of God, it is my duty to stand with God and what he teaches about things. The word must, it's, it means it's the right thing to do. And so, and that's what you need to ask yourself when you face a difficult situation, right? Don't think about what are the consequences. Don't think about uh, how do I feel about this or even what do I feel about the person. You may even care about the person that you're dealing with. You got to look and say, uh, what is the right thing to do? You know, I think about something that I faced uh, recently, even uh, this year, uh, uh, an issue, about and, and dealing with people that I cared about uh, very much, people I cared about very much, and I had to, uh, I had to take a, a stand on something. And boy, they 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 really uh, came against me. And I said, "Listen, it's not about whether I care about you or care about them. It's about what's the right thing to do, and I'm going to have to stand with what the right thing to do is in this situation." And so that word "ought" must. You know what? As believers. We need to get these words back in our vocabulary. Amen. <laughs> Those words need to be in our company. You know, uh, you must be born again. You know, we like to emphasize that one. Well, hey, we emphasize to the lost, you must be born again. Hey, if you're listening today and you're not saved, we emphasize to you, you must be born again. But if you're a believer, we emphasize you must stand with God. You must choose God's side, amen, on the issues that we face in life. And then I like what he says to this. We ought to obey God rather than man. It says, verse 30, For the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Now, I think that's kind of funny that he went straight to that point because notice the last thing that they had said to them. Hey, you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Well, as soon as Peter got a chance to say, he says, well, of course, 
I intend to bring this man's blood about it. You're the ones that had him slain. You're the ones that sent him to the cross. You're the ones that had him judged before Pilate. Of course, right? You are the ones that are guilty uh, for what happened. And boy, no, we don't need to be afraid to tell people that they are guilty, right? Actually, everyone is guilty for the death of Jesus Christ. Everyone is guilty for uh, Jesus Christ's blood being shed and him being nailed to that old rugged cross. Why? Because everybody's a sinner and he died for their sins. So everyone is guilty for what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. And people need to realize that. Verse 31, but look what the Lord did. He says, you nailed him to a tree, but look what God did. Him hath God exalted with the right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give him repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. What exciting verse is. It says, listen, you nailed him to a tree, but listen, God has exalted him. Look at some ways that God exalted him. One, he gave him an exalted seat. Acts 2, 33 says this, this, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted. Amen. When Jesus ascended back to heaven, he is now at the right hand of the father. He gave him that exalted position. He sat down. Why? Because he can rest now because his job is finished. So he gave him an exalted position right next to him. So, hey, I like the fact that the Bible tells us that Jesus sat next to the right hand of God because when I first got saved, I was, I was excited about that. People would look at me and they'd say, you need to calm down. You're beside yourself. You're beside yourself. And boy, I read over there where Jesus is beside God the Father and Jesus is God. And I said, well, you know what? God's beside himself. If God can be beside himself over my salvation, why can't I be beside myself over my salvation? Amen, right there, all right? Yeah, he's by, over there being by the right hand of God exalted. So he gave him an exalted seat after he had finished the work. Then God made him an exalted sovereign, right? He is the prince. He is the prince, the Bible uh, says. We'll see about that. And then God raised him from the dead and he is now the exalted savior. So he has an exalted seat. He's seated at the right hand of the father. He's the exalted sovereign, right? He's uh, the prince of life and he is our exalted savior. And that's why it says prince and savior, Right? We think of a prince, we think of royalty, we think of people with authority. Hey, Jesus, this is the exciting thing. Jesus has the authority and ability to save you this morning if you need to be saved. He has the authority and ability. Acts 3.15 says this, And killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Notice that word. And that's really the word I want to get to in a moment. Hebrews 2.10 says this, For it became him. For whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So he's the prince of life, and he's the captain of our salvation, and he is in that exalted position. And notice what he said. He made him a prince and a savior. What? For to give what? Repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Now, of course, it's Peter talking and he's talking to the high priest. So, of course, the focus is Israel. But listen, people need to know that repentance and forgiveness is still part of the message. When we talk to people, don't be afraid to use the word about repenting. A lot of people don't like to use that, that word. And I, I, I know, I've seen missionaries, if they walk through a village, it just seems about, about everybody got saved, amen? No, the Bible believes in getting conviction for sin. God, Jesus Christ, 
always dealt with sin. You know, everybody likes to go about the woman, uh, you know, uh, the woman caught in adultery. Oh, you know, who are you to throw the first stone? Well, what did he say to her? Go and what? Sin no more. God, Jesus Christ always dealt with sin. And so when you witness to people, make sure that you focus on the, the sin and that what, sh- what shows them the need. Because, you know, we, everybody wants to get everybody to the father. That's why I like the story of the prodigal son. But who did the prodigal come to before he came to the father? He came to himself. <laughs> you see, we need to get people to themselves. Everybody's trying to get people to the Father and you say, well, hey, how come nobody's moving? Well, you need to first focus on getting them to themselves and letting them realize their condition and that they're hopeless without Jesus Christ. And that's why they need to get to the Father's house because they're hopeless uh, without him. And so repentance and forgiveness is still part of the message. Acts 20, 21, again, says this, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks. What? Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That is part of the message. But I want to focus on, that was just introduction, right? Remember when you have a short message, always, right, give a long introduction, right? And so verse 32, this is, uh, this is the verse that sort of got my attention when I was reading the other day. And look at what he says. Of course, he talks about how they nailed Jesus to the cross and how God raised him up. And this is what they say. And we are his witnesses of these things. Witnesses of these things. What is a witness? Right? A witness is this. One who has information. Right? They ha- right? When, 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 when a crime is, takes place, what do they look for? They look for witnesses. Does anyone have information? Does anyone have knowledge or something they can tell us about this event. All right, so they look for a witness. A witness is someone who has information. And then he's someone who can give information. He has it, so he can what? He can give that information. And then can confirm information. Hey, is this really what happened? Is this really what took place? Can you confirm the events of what took place here? And so God has his witnesses. And so uh, he, he, how did he do that? Well, one, he, he, the Bible says he sent God his son into the world, right? That was a, a witness. He sent God his spirit into the world. And now he sent us, his servants, into the world. And so, you know, it said they admit they're witnesses. You know, I think of witnesses to great events. You think about some of the great events in history. And then you think about some of the great events, even in our time since we've been alive, right? And, and a lot of times if there was some event that happened in history, you know, like uh, uh, World War I, World II, they always tell you, oh, you know, uh, this the, the last person, this is the last person that was a witness to that event. And they try and get a few words out of them about that great event, Well, listen, Peter, John, James, and others, they were firsthand witnesses to the greatest historical event of all time. Let me, uh, you you can turn here if you want, but I I, I love these verses here. Luke chapter 1, as Luke begins uh, to write uh, the gospel of Luke, notice how he introduces what he's about to write. He says this in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Uh, Luke says, for as much as ye have taken in hand, 
for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things, I like the statement, which are most surely believed among us. I love that statement. He says, listen, <laughs> I'm not ashamed. I most surely, these things I'm getting ready to tell you about, I most surely believe these things. I want you to know that these truths I'm getting ready to put forth, they are settled in my soul. They are settled in my heart. And I am glad to write them down and let you know everything I'm about to write down. And you can read, I believe every word of it. Boy, that we need to be that bold when we witness, when we're a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And people say, do you really believe that? You say, oh, yes. I most certainly believe that Jesus Christ is God. I most certainly believe that he was born of a virgin. I most certainly believe, amen, that he is the only way to salvation, right? That he alone, amen, paid the price for your sin. I most certainly believe these things. I most surely believe these things. And verse 2, even as they, they delivered them unto us. Who, who delivered them? Those that from the beginning were eyewitnesses. Man, they, they oh, I used to love, I can imagine Luke said, oh man, I enjoy sitting around with Peter and James and John and just talking about those things, man, that we saw uh, firsthand. Oh, hey, do you remember when, when Jesus did this? Oh, hey, do you remember? Do you remember uh, right before we went out in the garden, he was resting. you remember singing that hymn with him? Oh, I'll never forget singing that hymn with him. Can you imagine uh, 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 sitting around and re, uh, rehearsing those things? And he says in verse three, it seemed good to me also, having had, look, perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest look, know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. He said, I'm right. And he said, he said, I believe these things. I surely believe these things. And I want you to have them so you can have the same certainty that I have. Well, isn't that a wonderful thing to pass on to somebody? Say, listen, and they say, you know, I, 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 when, uh, sometimes when I, when I witness to people, they said, man, I've never seen somebody with such, with such, with such confidence. I say, well, it's not in me, but the fact that, but the, uh, the reality, the reality of those events, amen, took place in my heart and life. And of course, I most surely believe them. Of course, listen, I, I, I don't waver. I'm not nervous when I talk about it. In the, in the depths of my soul, I believe these things. In the depths of my soul, I know what Jesus Christ did for me and how he transformed my life. And listen, I, I, I can't, I've never doubted it. I've never wavered. I never got nervous about it, amen. I know. And so he says, I'm writing these things because, and here's the great thing. He, you can look at him and say, you know what? I want you to have that same certainty. That's what Luke is saying. He says, listen, it, Luke says, in the depths of my soul, I know all this is true. And I want you to have that same certainty. So I'm writing it down. Even Jesus said uh, to the disciples in Luke 24, verse 46 says this, and Jesus said to them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, begin at Jerusalem. And then he says in verse 48 of Luke 24, and ye are witnesses of these things. Jesus says, listen, you're witnesses. You saw all this happen. You've been with me and I want you to go out and tell others what you saw firsthand. Verse 49, and behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in Jerusalem until you be in due with power from on high. I said, hey, I want you to go out and tell it, but get that anointing first. And then P Peter said this in 2 Peter 1, 16. 
For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. This isn't something just sort of we heard some rumor we heard out there. This isn't just something, some hearsay, right? When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he says, were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Of course, talking about when he was up on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was a, he was a witness. So, but he, he, here's what's exciting. Uh, here's what I want you to notice. So he says, we are witnesses. So, hey, there are many. Hey, Peter, James, John, all them said, listen, I want you to know, listen here, uh, Mr. High Priest. Listen here, all you sitting there. I want you to know that we, these things are so because we were there. We are a witness and testimony to all these events. We saw them firsthand. But what's said next is what was really exciting to me. Look at what it says. And so what? Uh, look, there was another witness there. And so also is the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and so also is the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey. <laughs> Here's why that was one of the reasons that was exciting to me. It says, listen, not only were we witnesses to this event, but the Holy Ghost was a witness to this event. Now, a couple of things we need to understand about the Holy Ghost before we get into this. And if you look at the beginning of Acts 5, verse 3, remember, it says, Peter said unto Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart? Look to lie to the Holy Ghost, right? We need to understand that the Holy Ghost is a distinct person. The Holy Ghost is a distinct person. You need to understand that. And then he says in verse four, right? Thou hast not lied unto man, but unto God. So we need to realize he's a person and he is God. Just as God the Father is God, just as Jesus is God, God the Holy Spirit is God. We know that. And so uh, what we see here is, hey, I'm glad that Peter was a firsthand witness. I'm glad that James was a firsthand witness. I'm glad that John and all those others are witnesses. But here's the thing. I, I can't go knock on Peter's door today and say, hey, would you, would, you, would you tell me that? Hey, James, they've passed on. They've passed on. But the exciting thing to me is, even though they've passed on, and it's been 2,000 years since all these events took place. Here's what's exciting. We still have a firsthand witness. <laughs> we still have. Just like, you know, they, 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 some of those great events and say, oh, the last. we have Mr. Jones here. And he is the last living per person to witness this historical event firsthand. He was an eyewitness. So, hey, would you tell us a few things? You're the last person remaining. Amen. I'd like to talk to you. Well, hey, listen, there's somebody still alive that saw all these things firsthand. He's still a firsthand witness, and that is the Holy Ghost. And it says this in Hebrews 9.14. You see, the, the Holy Ghost was a firsthand witness to the work that Christ did on our behalf. Hebrews 9, 14 says this, How much more shall the blood of Christ, look at this, who through the eternal spirit, not only was he firsthand witness, he was a firsthand participant in what took place, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot, purge your conscience from dead works. So here's the exciting thing. The Holy Ghost is a firsthand witness to what happened. And so let me give you some other verses. Hebrews 10, 14 and 15 say this. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Talking about Jesus Christ. And then verse 15, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. You see, the Holy Ghost saw it and he's glad to witness that to us. First John 5, 8 through 
10 say this, there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Well, hey, God the Holy Ghost is a witness. Verse 10 says, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. So what's exciting to me, what's exciting to me is not only that the Holy Ghost, right, was a firsthand witness, but as we see here, when we get saved, hey, that witness comes to live inside of us. And so, you see, inside of me, that's a wonderful thing, I have a first account, eyewitness to everything that Jesus Christ did for me. He was there. He saw it all. And you know what? I look at that and I say, how in the world can I doubt? Because not only do I have an eternal witness to everything that Jesus Christ did, I have an internal witness Amen? Because the Holy Ghost lives within me. So the Holy Ghost, he's eternal. So we have that eternal witness. And then when I get saved, amen, he comes to take rest of me. I have, an, I have a firsthand eyewitness to everything Jesus Christ did for me as an internal witness that lives within me. And that's why I can say without a doubt, I know in whom I believed. Romans 8, 16 says this, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You see, the Holy Ghost was not only there when all that happened, when Jesus died and shed his blood and was buried and rose again the third day, he was not only there when it happened, he was there when I believed on it. <laughs> he was not only to, he's not only a first-hand eyewitness that the events took place, he's a first-hand eyewitness that I believed on it. Amen. He was there when I believed on it. So think about this, friend. When you, or if you have what I might call a John the Baptist moment, remember John the Baptist had a weak moment <laughs> and he went to, he sent some of his followers to Jesus and, and he said this in Matthew eleven three: 3, art thou he that should come or do we look for another? Boy, do you ever, you know, sometimes we get, we get weak, right? Think about this, the Holy Ghost the first-hand witness is there inside you, amen? When you're feeling weak and when you doubt, the Holy Ghost will say, oh, listen, child, <laughs> don't, don't you doubt it for a second. Don't let life slip into your brain and heart. Don't let the Satan slip into your brain and heart, amen? Don't, let, uh, don't you even lie to yourself. I'm here to tell you, amen, I'm a first-hand witness, and I'm here to give a witness to you that, yes, he's the one. He's the one that died and paid the price for your sins. The Holy Ghost reminds me, listen, son, everything's going to be, a, when I'm feeling weak, when I'm doubting God or something's going on and I feel overwhelmed, thank God the Holy Ghost is saying there, listen, son, everything's going to be all right. It's true. It's true. It's all true. You know, Listen, you can keep trusting him. Hey, you're going to make it through this. Everything's going to be all right. Don't worry, man. We got to get through this storm. He's going to meet you on the other side. He said, get in that boat and I'll meet you on the other side. You already have the assurance. I go to prepare a place for you. Amen. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And if it were not so, I would have told you, hey, he told me it's so. So I know that it's so. And so I have that assurance. Amen. That it's all true. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit in John 16, 14, he shall glorify me. 
You see, that's why the Holy Spirit is here. He didn't come to speak of himself. He said, he shall glorify me. He shall receive of mine and know it and show it unto you. The Holy Spirit is there, amen, to continually show unto you what Jesus Christ did and who he is. Boys, we think of the Trinity. Remember this. Jesus, of course, is the great redeemer. We know that. Jesus is the great redeemer, but the Holy Spirit is there to be the great revealer. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. So Jesus is the great redeemer. God the Spirit is the great revealer. And then, of course, God the Father is the great receiver. Amen? That's how it works. You see, the Holy, the Holy Spirit is here. He was, a, he was a first eyewitness. And listen, uh, when somebody gives you the truth of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit there is there to reveal to you, yes, that is true. What you are hearing from that book is true. I was there. I, I testify that all that is true. And so the Holy Spirit, that great revealer, reveals when you hear the word of God who Jesus Christ is. And the moment you believe it, the great redeemer saves you. And so the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. And the moment you believe it, the great redeemer redeems you. And then the great receiver, the father, receives you. Amen. They're all there to work on your behalf. Verse 32 ends this way, whom God hath given to them that obey him. You see, the moment we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that eternal eyewitness becomes that internal eyewitness. Amen. And the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in your life. Romans 6, 17 says this, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. And that moment you believed, amen, you received. Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit came and took up residence and sealed, amen, sealed your security in him. So as we finish up here, remember this. May the Lord help us. And as we see examples in these verses, as a church to have unity in our message. May the Lord help us to be sure in our loyalty to God over man. Uh, Lord, I don't, I don't know when I'm going to be confronted. I don't know when I'm going to be faced with this. But Lord, give me the Holy Ghost boldness to stand for what's right when I'm confronted. When I have to take a stand, Lord, help me to be willing to take a stand. You say, well, they'll think this of me. They'll think that of me. Hey, is it more important what they think of you or what he thinks of you. So be sure your loyalty is in God over man and to be bold in our testimony. That doesn't mean we have to have an attitude. That doesn't mean we need to be arrogant, but listen, but be bold and confident in our testimony and to rejoice, to rejoice as children of God, that we not only have an eternal witness, but an internal witness of Christ's work for us and in us. And we can have confidence and peace no matter what's going on in life. Oh, you know, the devil wants to get you to doubt. Boy, this old flesh gets worried and anxious and it wants to doubt. But when you do, amen, just say, oh, get into the word of God and let the Holy Spirit of God speak to you and say, listen, I was there. It's all true. Amen. He is who he says he is and everything's going to be all right. So I say to you this morning, if you're not saved, listen, hey, I give witness by the, by the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside me that, hey, Jesus Christ is who he says he is. 
And listen, if you're not sure that you're saved, the best thing you can do, amen, is listen to the Holy Spirit as he works to reveal that to you and put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Boy, if you're here this morning and uh, maybe you're going through something and you're feeling weak and you're doubting, boy, you need to get down here in the altar and say, oh, speak Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Speak to me, amen, through the word of God and remind me, amen, make it fresh in my soul that he is who he says he is and it's all true. Let's pray.